Welcome to the Urban Hope Podcast. Today's sermon is called The Ten Commandments Do Not Murder from Exodus 21 through 13 and verses 18 through 20 from Shepherding Pastor Chad Granger. On Memorial Day weekend, we had a 15 year old boy kill a 15 year old girl. Connected to that one, we had a 17 year old girl shot two days later. Same weekend, we had a 41-year-old man killed, shot, murdered in Fairfield. And that same weekend, Memorial Day weekend, a Miles College student, 22 years old, was back home in Montgomery, killed and murdered. A few weeks after that, uh, we had a young man who was shopping for Father's Day at Western Hills Mall come out of the barber shop and in broad daylight three masked gunmen with fully automatic weapons shot him down in front of the mall. Over 70 rounds were fired. Murder. About that same time another Miles College football player was shot down in Lipscomb. Lipscomb is just a community between here and Bessemer. He was from Bessemer. Murdered. 21 years old. And then even this week There was a 65-year-old man found dead, shot, murdered in his own home. There's a lot of murder in our streets. And it's a very weighty thing for us, but I want you to know it's a weightier thing for God. And I've seen the weight of it this week in just my normal ministry work this week. I I think back to our, our staff meeting on Monday, and we had a devotional time of just... Uh, the ups and downs in ministry and how we can often get discouraged in ministry. And I want you to know there was a lot of discouragement among your staff team. And a lot of it had to deal with the weight of the murders going around us. Because when you start to do that, we've been a church here for 10 years and you start to wonder, you start to question, are we even having an impact? Are we even making a difference? Dion knew the young man that was gunned down in Montgomery, the Miles College students. Dion had been in contact in verbal communication with him. Dion almost took that young man to minicamp with campus outreach. Within a couple weeks of that conversation or the week of, he was gunned down. That's the second time that that's happened to Dion within the last couple of years. There was another young man that he had built a relationship with and within a month, he's gone, shot, killed murdered. The reality of these murders, the reality of these deaths weighs on us as a staff team and sometimes sets us into discouragement. So pray for us. Not only that, I was in another meeting this week and I saw the fear of all these murders, the, the, uh, the reality of all these murders. Papa, I saw it well up in a young woman's heart to where she was overwhelmed with tears, overwhelmed with anxiety, overwhelmed with fear, real fear, real hurt, real pain. The death that's in our streets, the murder in our streets has real effects on us, has real effects on the victims, their families, their friends. And again, more importantly, it has a greater effect on God Almighty because it's an offense against Him and it grieves His heart desperately. And so we always have new articles talking about solutions. And so one question I want on your heart that should be heard, what is our solution to the murder in the streets? 
And so as you contemplate that, I want you to turn to Exodus 20. I should have already told you that. We're going to be in Exodus 20. That's page 72 in your pew Bible. And we're going to read our, our passage today. We're going to read Exodus 20. If you please stand for the reading of God's Word. Exodus 20, 1 through 13. Our verse for the day is actually going to be verse 13. And then we're to continue to keep context. We're going to read 18 through 20. This is the Word of God. And God spoke all these words, saying... I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. I have the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And now verse 13, our verse for the day, you shall not murder. Now let's skip down to verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God remains forever. You may be seated. For those that, that like to have a mental image of where we're going or that might be taking notes, we're going to make three major moves this morning. First, we're going we're gonna to ask, what is murder? What exactly is God prohibiting? What does murder mean? Is, is all killing murder? Is war murder? Is execution murder? What is murder? It's going to be one of the first questions that we answer. With that, we're going to ask, why is it such an offense against God. That might be, seem self-explanatory, but we're going to look biblically and we're going, to, we're going to wrestle biblically. Why is murder such an attack on God's character and such an offense to Him? Um, we're going to look at why some of this seems to, to be lost in our culture today. And, and we're going to look at a, a particular topic that often is not called murder in our culture and society, but very much biblically we have to understand it as murder. That's going to be our first move. Most of our time is going to be in the first move. We're going to kind of funnel down today. Second move is, what does Jesus say about this passage? How does Jesus take thou shalt not murder and redefine or really bring the intent of his father's heart? How he says the murder in the street essentially starts with murder in our heart, the anger in our own hearts. And that makes you and I culpable. It makes you and I guilty just as those in the streets. And so with those two things, lastly, the last move that we're going to make is what is our solution? 
What is the solution to the murder in our hearts and the murder in the streets? All right? That's where we're heading. So let's do with the first one. What is murder? What actually is murder? I'm going to first look at the Oxford Dictionary definition, and then we're going to break it down biblically or look at a couple passages biblically. But obviously our, our, our verse today, 2013, says, uh, Thou shalt not murder. The title of the sermon is Do Not Murder. So what is murder? Oxford Dictionary, murder, a noun. It's the unlawful, premeditated killing of one human being by another. And even the dictionary underlining unlawful and premeditated. So to really get to the heart of it, those two things are important. Unlawful and premeditated. Now, if we study the Bible, even Oxford is really getting the foundations of their definition of murder from the Bible. Now, what they deem as unlawful is probably going to be the law of the land. But we're going to look at the law of God, where this all has a base and a foundation. So it's an unlawful, premeditated killing of one human by another. So let's look at Exodus 21. Exodus 21 gives us a little more context to what God means with this. Exodus 21, 12 through 14, it says, Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie and wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. There's a couple things that we see here. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. One thing that we see is execution or put to death as a consequence of murder is not murder. God has allowed uh, in his law the, the, the repercussions of breaking the law to for the, the, the congregation or the people or the state or the government to, to carry out execution. We saw this last week. Dion used Deuteronomy 21, and he used this, this, uh, this family that were just at their, their wits' ends with a son that was rebelling against them over and over and over and over again. And it said they took the son to the congregation of the elders. And what did the elders say? You should stone him. That's execution. That's not murder. But, but execution is a result that should be taking place in the case of murder, oftentimes. So execution is not murder, but murder, let's get into the detail of verse 13. But if he did not lie in wait, but God let him fall into his hands, then I will appoint a place for him to flee. We're going to look in a minute at numbers, and we'll see these refuse cities. So if it was manslaughter, if it was by accident, there's a place for, the, for someone who, who had a, an accidental killing to flee so that revenge could not be taken on them. That's if it was not intentional, if he did not plan it or premeditate it, if he did not lie in wait. But, verse 14, if a man willfully attacks another man to kill him by cunning, it's planned, it's premeditated, you shall take him from my altar and he may die. Again, we see the unlawful premeditated killing of one person by another. Let's look at uh, Numbers 35. Numbers 35, we're going to look at several verses here, so 15 through 24, but I want you to hear the premeditation. And, and, and murder is distinguished by context and circumstances. That's what's devied out in our court of law. What's the difference between murder and manslaughter? But you'll see some of that language. Manslaughter comes from the Bible. You'll see that language in this passage here. And so 
murder is revolved around the contents, the intent of the heart, the planning, and everything revolved around it. And so let's look at this some more. Verse 15, these six cities, these are refuge cities. These six cities shall be for refuge for the people of Israel and for the stranger and for the sojourner among them, that anyone who kills any person without intent may flee there. If, if they killed them by accident, without intent, they may flee to these refuge cities. But, verse 16, if he struck him down with an iron object so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Verse 17, and if he struck him down with a stone tool that he could cause death, and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. Let's move to verse 18. Or if he struck him down with a wooden tool that could cause death, and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall be put to death. So even the tool that's used, an iron object, a stone, a, 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 a wooden tool, even though there might not have been the intent to kill, you were using an object that put you in a place that could, death could be happened. The Bible's saying that's murder, whether it's your intent or not. So circumstances and content that is planned, that comes from malice, um, that you, and some of that can be negligence. You were, you were enacting in a, a, an activity or taking choices or decisions that could cause death of another. Verse 19, the avenger of blood shall himself be put the murderer to death. When he meets him, he shall put him to death. So in, in the Old Testament law, if murder happened, the, the oldest male of the victim's family could go act vengeance out and put to death. Again, this is lawful in the law of God. That person that murdered the, uh, the victim. That's what this avenger of blood is. Verse 20. And if he pushed him out of hatred or hurled something at him, lying in wait so that he died, or an enmity struck him down with his hand so that he died, then he who struck the blow shall be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets him. He lied in wait. He struck him with the intent. Lying in wait, planning, premeditating, striking with the intent to kill, murder. Verse 22, but if he pushed him suddenly without enmity or hurled anything on him without lying in wait or used a stone that could cause death and without seeing him dropped it on him so that he died, though he was not his enemy and did not seek his harm, then the congregation shall judge between the manslayer and the avenger of blood in accordance to those rules. So if it was unintentional, if it was accident, that's manslaughter. And that's what it's saying. Again, there's a, a refuge city that they can flee to. But are y'all starting to get the concept of murder? Murder is the unlawful, premeditated killing of one person by another. And a lot of that is wrapped around the circumstances of, of the planning, the intent, um, and, the, and, the, and sometimes the enmity or the malice that might be in the heart. But not in all cases. Some of those things can be present and some of them might not be. But this is murder. And what we have to realize uh, the Bible is a bloody book. There's a lot of death in the Old Testament. The climax of all of Scripture is the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we look at the end of Revelation, there's a lot of death to come. Um, and war, I, war as a biblical category, it's never termed murder in the Bible. So what you're going to see that might some kind of, I'm going through the book of Joshua right now. I do the McShane reading plan, and I'm going through the book of Joshua the same God that told Israel, thou shalt not murder, is the same God that's telling them to go conquer the promised land. To go wipe out the nations of the land that he decided is for them. 
as a reward. So the main premise behind what is murder or not, has it been authorized by God or not? Because when we have the killing of one person, of another, oftentimes that's coming out of anger, malice, or it's us putting ourselves in the place of God and saying, I'm choosing death. I'm choosing death. And that's not our right. So you can read unlawful, uh, premeditated, or unauthorized premeditated as murder. Well, let's, why is this such an offense to God? Why is this such an offense to God? Again, I think it's in, in our, innate in our nature that, that killing another person is wrong. But let's look at why this is such an offense to God. Let's look again in our call to worship. Let's look at Genesis 1, 26 through 27. We all know this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God hates murder, and it's an attack and offense against him because all human beings are made in his image. This is what we call the Imago Dei, or the doctrine of Imago Dei. All human beings are made in the image of God, so when someone attacks to murder another human being, it's an attack on God himself, an attack on his character, an attack on his glory. It offends him, and it grieves him. Let's look at Genesis 9, 5, and 6. It's going to be a little more explicit. Verse 5, and for, and for your lifeblood I will require reckoning. For every beast I will require it, require it. And for man, from his fellow man, I will require reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? For God made man in his own image. God made man in his own image. This is an offense, an attack on God himself because every human being, whether Christian or not, is made in the image of God. Every human being has inherent, intrinsic value, worth, and dignity based on this image-bearing nature that they have. Human beings were the climax of creation. They were God's masterpiece. They're the only thing created that bears his image and that can reflect his glory. When you attack another human being and you snuff out their life, you're attacking the glory of God. You're attacking the character of God. Does that make sense? That is murder. That is murder. But this seems to be lost in our culture today. We've seen to a loss the image-bearing nature of God in all of humanity. When you see a 15-year-old boy pull the trigger on a 15-year-old girl, something desperately wrong has gone on in our culture. Our young people today and many in our streets do not value life as they should. They don't know what the Bible says. But what's at play with some of this? A lot of it's biblical illiteracy. But some of it's the, the, the glamorization of violence in our culture today. Look at this quote right here by Al Mohler. 
This is a scary quote. It says, even in the first decade of the 21st century, there is murder on, our, on the streets. Violent death is a leading story on our news. It is a leading, leading cause of death for young males, especially for those in this society and certain ethnic groups and cultural contexts. Right there, we know what it's saying. You can read Fairfield. You can read black men in the hood. And yet, it is not just that. There is also murder on the small and large screen. Listen to this. Listen to this. By the age of 18, the average American child has seen more than 80,000 murders depicted on television, film, and in video games. By the age of 18, the average American child has seen over 80,000 murders in film, TV, and video games. Brothers and sisters, this doesn't even mention the music. And we all know what the music does today. We established a few weeks ago that the number one uh, stream music in America, the most popular stream music in America is hip-hop, R&B, rap, and some of that mu mu music is nothing more than murder music. You tie the screens and what kids are, are consuming on the screens, you, you take what they're pumping into their ears, and that's getting into their hearts. And when that's the message that they're getting, they do not value life like the Bible values life or like God values life. This quote continues. Look at the damage of video games. The video games add up the carnage faster than any form of electronic medium. Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman, who taught marksmanship for the United States Army, was called upon to suggest why young boys who had never fired a real gun before could walk into a high school and kill with military precision. And he pointed out that video games were turning young American males into trained killers with an instinct for a trigger and with an eye for an aim unlike any, anything any military force had ever seen before. Having never shot a gun in malice, they can murder with military position. We wonder why there's been an uptick of mass killings and mass shootings. Some of it revolves around what we're consuming and what we're glamorizing in our culture. And this should be a warning to us as parents. This should be a warning to us as adults. What, it should be a warning to us all. What are you consuming? Are you adding into this, this denigrating of the value of life? Are you adding into the glamorizing of murder? And, and there is one thing I want to say. I don't want to scare every mom with this because there is something that is in the heart of a young man, a young boy, that wants to fight evil. And I don't want moms to go and, and, and overprotect their young boys or anytime they point a gun at something or want to battle with a sword or want to have war, that that's a bad thing. The, the contrary to murder, thou shalt not murder, is thou shalt protect life. And we need our young boys to, to be able to face battle and to protect life and to value life. And so don't go make your boys fragile by stripping them of any uh, a witness of, 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 of evil or, or bad guys versus good guys because we need our young men to protect life. But we got to be very mindful of parents of what we're letting our, our children consume. We have to be very mindful of what we're consuming. And so I want to hold tension with that. I don't want to go over, 
over, I don't want to go over pendulum swing one side because we do need to, to be honest. There is evil in this world. There is darkness in this world. And just as we're not to murder, we are to protect life. And so let's balance that. Well, I want to make a, new, uh, a move now. We, we've talked about the Imago Day and all the people. We, we, we can move from that to uh, the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life is the doctrine that, that all human life, again, I've mentioned this before, and it's based in the, in the image of God, the Imago Day. But the sanctity of life is the doctrine that all human life has intrinsic value and worth because of its image-bearing nature of the Father, of God the Father. So we can all, with a clear conscience and understanding, know that homicide is murder. But there's also something that's going on in our communities and in our culture that is also murder, and we have to be clear with it biblically. And so I don't want to shame anyone in this room. I don't want to trigger trauma in this room. But I do want to talk about abortion. And before I get into it, I want you to know if that's part of your story, Christ's work on the cross is sufficient for you. That's part of your story in Christ, and you're in Christ. You are forgiven. There's no longer, no more condemnation for you. But I have to speak on this because we have to be clear on it as Christians. We have to teach on it from the pulpit. We have to talk about what the Bible says about abortion. And what the Bible says about abortion is it's murder. How did we establish murder? We established it as the unlawful, premeditated killing of one person by another. I said another way you could say that is the unauthorized, premeditated killing by one, by the other. When we get into the, the abortion debate, you, you hear the left and you hear the right. And I'm not, I'm not coming from the left or right. I'm not into playing politics. I'm a pastor. I'm coming from the Bible, and I want to teach what the Bible teaches. Um, but I'm going to use pro, pro-life and pro-choice. Christians, biblical Christians, should be pro-life. But pro-choice argument often goes like this. I believe that the woman has the right to her body to choose what she or someone could do to her body. And they say, I believe a woman has a right to her body to choose, and they'll use language like this, to terminate an unwanted pregnancy. And they're very tactful for their language. What are they not saying? They're saying unwanted pregnancy. They're saying terminate. And they're saying that the woman has the right to choose. Who we established earlier who has the right to choose life or death? God. God enables life, and God is the only rightful one to authorize how life can be taken. So in all actuality, when you're saying you're pro-life, you're saying I'm pro, or when you're saying you're pro-choice, you're saying I'm pro-choice that that woman has authority over God to choose what to do with the baby in her womb. You're saying I'm pro-choice that the woman has the right to murder that child in her womb who's an image bearer of God. Does that make sense? If we use that language, does that make it feel weightier? We've got to be clear with our language. God is the only one. If if God enables life, he's the only one that can determine and authorize when it should be taken. And I know that's a weighty topic, and I know we've got to be realistic about that. If, If we, abortion is the number one killer in our communities. And we know the statistics, that there's a higher rate of abortion in places of poverty, 
There's a higher rate of abortion in black and brown areas. And, and we have to be, be realistic that, that abortion is killing more black, black and brown ba babies than any other category combined. And hear me say this, white, white women are, are aborting babies just as much. But it's having a, a, a bigger impact on communities like ours in Fairfield. And if you're pro-life and black life matters, then abortion should matter to you. And it matters to God. Just listen to these statistics. This was a statistic from, from 2019. Since 1973, when Roe v. Wade was enacted, 63 million babies in America have been aborted. Let me put that in context. 63 million. Today's population in Alabama is a little over 5 million. I think it's 5.04. So let's just say 5 million. Since 1973, up to 2019, I'm, that's not counting the last four years, 63 million. That's the population in Alabama right now times 12. Murdered. I played with the numbers, and if you take pretty much the deep south, if you take Louisiana, Arkansas, Tennessee, Mississippi, Alabama, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, that's roughly that population of that whole area, all those states, 69 million. If we had the next, the last four years, in that statistic, it's probably all those states' population being wiped out today. That's the amount of death and murder that we're talking about. That grieves the heart of God. That offends his character. It depresses his glory in our communities. It should grieve our heart just as much, and it should offend our heart just as much. Well, you could be sitting there and, and, and think that, uh, and, and let me just add, we are active in, in, in this ab ab abortion talk. I want you to know that, um, that Pastor Alton is, is, is on the board of Lifelines, an adoption agency. I want you to know Martha Watts used to work for Life on Wheels. I want you to know that it's a passion and a heart of Anastasia. Uh, to, to build this up in our church, and she's in talk with an organization, her and Dion, about our church becoming a, a refuge church for women who find themselves in a situation of unwanted pregnancies. And because and we've got to be pro, pro womb to tomb, we've got to take care of our women. And the reality is, uh, the right to life is not the same for all once they get here. And some children are being born in, in, in circumstances that they don't have much fight for life. And so we as a church got to show up in all areas. It's not just legislating now that Roe vs. Wade has been overturned and it's illegal in our state. we we got to show up for these women that find themselves in that situation. We, we've got to speak louder now than we were before because it matters, and it matters how these children are being born, and we need to, to get women to proper care. We need to counsel them through their options and get those children into safe places where they can flourish in life. Amen? And so if you're interested in that, please talk to Dion. Please talk to Anastasia. I don't have all the details, but I know it's in the work. But please talk to those, those individuals. It's something that they're working on currently. All right, well, let's make a step. We've, we, we've established murder as premeditated, uh, unauthorized, or unlawful killing of one person by another. And so many of you can be thinking, well, this, this command seems pretty easy to live out. I'm not pulling the trigger in the streets and, and murdering somebody. I haven't had an abortion. And it's like, this one seems pretty simple. Well, not too fast. Let's look at what, this is move two. Let's look at what Jesus says about murder and about thou shalt not murder. 
Let's look at Matthew 5, 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. He's quoting the, this the Old Testament com, uh, commandment, commandment 6, verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. What's Jesus saying here? If you are harboring anger in your heart towards another image bearer of God, you've already committed murder in your heart. Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but this slays us all. This puts us all on the same playing field because I know this is true of all of us. Because I believe the depravity of man and I believe the depravity of our own hearts and I know that we've all been angered to the point where it bubbles out verbally. Look what it says right here. How does this anger displayed? It, it, it's displayed in insults to his brother. It's displayed on whoever says, you fool. The distance between the murder in the streets and the murder in our hearts not very far. The distance between the murder in your own heart, the anger in your heart, and the trigger finger is not as far as you think. Because the distance between murdering your heart and your tongue is not that far. Let's look at what the Bible says about the tongue. Well, let's go, go to Mark 7 first. Again, this was our, our cultural repentance. And again, all these, Dion did an incredible job earlier of saying all these external symptoms that we see in sin actions first begin on the inside. So I want to remind us of Mark 7, 20 through 23, to add to what Jesus is saying. And this is the words of Jesus. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. It all comes out of our heart. All of us are, are fallen. All of us have fall, are, are, are sinful and fallen to the short of glory of God. This stuff is in all of us by nature. Since Adam and Eve ate of the fruit. That evil is in us. And we all desperately need the cure of Jesus for that. But again, just to, to bring this more to life, because we take the, the words of Jesus literally and we take them for what it is, a lot of us might have committed murder, committed murder this morning on the way to church or before. If you were driving to church today and you got cut off and you said, you idiot, you fool, I can't stand drivers like you, I hate you, murder the tongue. Maybe you got a spousal fight this morning or last night and believe me, they can get heated and anger can start to boil and things can come out of your spouse's mouth or your own mouth that you never intended in your sober mind, but when anger gets there, you start saying crazy things like, I hate you. I wish I never married you. Marrying you was a mistake. That's murder. That's murder of the tongue. And Lord forbid, when we've tried to recorrect our children for the thousandth time, and anger boils over. And what might come out of our mouth, sometimes we're slaying our own children. When you take the word of God, literally, we're all stoned. We're all culpable. 
we're all guilty. Let's look at what the, let's look more at this the power of the tongue. We all have heard the phrase, uh, "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me." Is that true? No. We know why we teach that. We know why we tell that to kids. We know that, that words can't do physical harm to somebody, but they can, words can do deep spiritual and emotional harm to somebody. It can kill their spirit. It can quench their heart. It can quench their identity. Let's look at Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. What's coming out of your mouth? What's the fruit coming out of your mouth? Is it more death or is it more life? Y'all look at what the Proverbs say about tongues. I'm about to jump into James. Let's look at this one passage from James, and I'm not even using the whole passage. Look, if you want to know the power of the tongue and the destruction nature of the tongue and the, the capability of death of the tongue, study the Proverbs and study the book of James. Let's look at what James just says right here. This is just one section of what James says about the tongue. Starting in verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. What was the result of insulting or calling someone a fool? The hell of fire. James is saying our tongue is set on fire by hell. That it's unmanageable. Verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. A restless evil full of deadly poison. When anger boils over in our mouth, it's murder. Let's continue on with James. Look at this. Look at the duplicity of this. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in His image and likeness. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. What's in your heart? What's bubbling up out of your mouth when you get angry or frustrated? When's the last time you murdered your spouse or your children or a coworker or a Christian brother and sister sitting back by, by you in these pews? Well, oftentimes we don't talk about slander or gossip, but those are just as damaging to the body of everything else. But the main thing that we're getting at here is what Jesus says, the murder that's happening in the street starts in the heart, and that begins with mine and your heart. And we have to realize that we're just as culpable, we're just as guilty. There's not as much distance between us and the young man or the young woman pulling the trigger in the streets. That we're all in desperate need of Jesus. We're all in desperate need of Jesus. The solution to the murder in our own hearts and the solution to the murder in the streets is one and the same, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's look at this passage from 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. 
For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain. Cain was the first murderer. He was the son of Adam and Eve. He raised up and he murdered his brother Abel. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. What did Jesus do for me and you? He laid down his life for us. We have all broken the law of God. We all deserve the wrath of God. We all deserve the pit of hell. Yet God gave us Jesus. And Jesus laid down his life for us so that we might have life. So in his work upon the cross, he fulfilled in his life the perfect commandments given in the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled it perfectly. And on the cross, he took on our sin, our brokenness, our breaking the law upon himself. And he, gave, he gives us his righteousness if we receive it in faith. That great exchange, he extends forgiveness to us so that we might be reconciled to the Father. And we're to model this. The, the opposite of murder is life. The opposite of murder and hate in the heart is love. But oftentimes we can get stuck in our self-righteousness. And we can start pointing the finger outside the walls and say, I'm not like them. What's wrong with the people outside? Why do they keep pulling the trigger on one another? And not look at the hate and the murder in our own hearts. To deal with the murder in our own hearts, it is true, by justification we are saved by faith. There's no longer condemnation for us, but we have this process of sanctification. Sanctification is that continued salvation work of God in us by the grace of His Holy Spirit that He continues to work out our sin, where we die more and more to sin and we live more and more into righteousness. Brothers and sisters, just believing in, in Christ once is not the end of the work here in this life. We've got to continue to model the fruits of the Spirit through the power of the gospel. We've got to continue to come back to the gospel and see less anger in our heart and more fruits of the Spirit. Gentleness, kindness, love, self-control, peace. That's our journey in this life. And the more that we preach and teach this gospel to our own hearts, the more it's going to motivate us to not build up hard hearts and thin skin, but it's going to give us tender hearts and thick skin to where we stop pointing the finger on the outside, realize it's us, and that God has forgiven me, and that's what's going to motivate me to go and share the gospel with them. The solution to the murder of our streets is preaching the gospel to the murder of our hearts that enables and motivates us to preach the same gospel in the streets. Because it's the same gospel that changed your heart. It's the only thing that's going to change those wreaking havoc in our community. 
Are you going to follow that? Are you going to live into that? Brothers and sisters, I myself, I say we must. Thou shalt not murder. That begins with you and me. That begins with me and you preaching the gospel to ourselves and dying to the anger in our hearts and, and reflecting on the gospel of Jesus Christ and his forgiveness and us extending that forgiveness to others and working towards reconciliation with others. And out of that deep well is what gives us boldness and courage. And we stop looking at the differences between those around us and we start entering in with the power of the gospel because it's that gospel that's going to change their lives. Jesus Christ and his gospel is the only solution to the murder in our hearts and the murder in the streets. Preach the gospel to yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. And let's all go forth and preach the gospel in the streets. Thank you for listening to the Urban Hope Podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.urbanhopecc.com.